Hello, listeners. Okay, so I released an episode. Well, I recorded an episode 25 minutes long. It was a great episode. I then posted that episode, and you only got one minute of it. (laughs) I started yesterday's episode with words of wisdom about how (laughs) teenagers are absolute disgusting people. Um, I'm starting this episode with the world, the words of wisdom of, I cannot stand technology. I hate it. It always gets me, always beats me. I've no idea what happened. I've no idea at all. Previously, I'd seen that Siri had stopped the recording. This time, nothing. No reasons whatsoever. So I'm going I'm to try again. Now, I must forewarn you, I'm driving and I have to get some petrol as well. So you're going to get all kinds of background noises on today's episode. There were none yesterday, none at all. But do you know what? We can carry on. We can just live with it. It's fine. It's fine. So... I was uh, I was starting the episode by saying that I had a really really good week. The reason I'd had a good week is I'd done quite a lot um, with regards to Adopt a Voice and my position with Adoption UK. I'd had a couple of meetings, and it was just really exciting to see what sort of conversations were being had um, and where things were basically. So I wanted to update you and let you know where where things were and what, what was happening in the, in the wider world of adoption. As part of my role, um, so I'm the chair of Adopter Voice of a particular region. And that region is a collection of a number of agencies. The idea being they will all get together and they will share best practice with one another to improve the service for adopters and adoptees. I was invited to attend a senior leadership team meeting, which was really cool, um, of all of the heads of the agencies that were in this region. And all of the heads were getting together to talk about what was happening in their um, localised area, the bigger picture of some of the things that they were working on, how that was going, any problems that they were facing, challenges and successes as well. Um, Talking about what was working, uh, what had worked and what was going well. So they were some really, really good good conversations and some really, really interesting points that were coming out. And it was nice to see that there was an obvious shift into sort of partnered working and supported working. Um, because quite often it's a way that it, it feels that these things are set up almost like a I don't know, just to appease a wider audience. But this felt 
more like they were actually moving towards positive change, which was really nice to see, um, really encouraging. So some of the things that were being shared, um, I mean, some of the updates were really upsetting to hear, frustrating to hear. Um, others were interesting and exciting. So what I was hearing about was we are in a position whereby we are now, I think that there is almost double the amount of adopters than there are children waiting, which is really exciting, really fantastic to hear. The struggle with that is that for some reason, there are still children who are waiting up to 18 months. Um, and that, that's for the, for the harder to place children, that is the likelihood that they're going to be waiting about 18 months for a placement. Um, now, for me, I found that really upsetting, really frustrating. Um, I, from a complete outsider's perspective, it was like, well, hold on, if you've got all these adopters, why on earth are children still waiting 18 months for a placement? That seems absolutely ludicrous to me. So <clears throat> this led on to further discussion. So I'll come back come back to the discussion of the sort of the children that are waiting. Um, so it led on to the agencies then talking about um, the term that they use is the, the front door. Um, it's not a term that I've been used to in other areas, but essentially the, the, the front door of adoption is initial inquiries of adoption. It's, it's the first point of contact um, when someone will contact an agency and say, hey, could you talk to me about adoption? That is their front door. Um, the agencies were talking about how they have got more inquiries coming through their front door than they've ever had before. So something's going really well. Really, really positive that there are a lot of adopters or people considering adoption. It's fantastic. That then led on to discuss how the, the agencies are, they have, they've got more adopters than they can manage at the moment. They've got more inquiries coming through and more people going through assessments than they can actually physically manage at the moment which means that they've had to take the position, a lot of them have had to take the position where they are shutting their front door. And they are telling people that at the moment, they don't have any availability for um, adopters to come onto their books. Now, I, I, was, I, I raised some, some concerns about this. Um, I said, you know, 
all of that hard work is paying off and you're now at a point where you're getting more inquiries than you normally do, shutting that front door, even for a month, is going to send out a message and a negative message is much quicker to send out than a positive one. And when I say a negative message, I'm confident that when the adoption agencies are speaking to prospective adopters, they're very positive and they're saying, you know, we are just too busy at the moment. We need you to come back, but please do. So I'm sure that they're being handled in a positive way. The problem is they're still getting a negative response. And there could be people who have gone through all kinds of journeys to get to that stage. And adoption is not their first option in many ways for so many. It's, it's their last option. And if they're knocking on that door and they, they're getting a no, even if it's just a no for now, that could be enough for them to say, do you know what? Obviously, this isn't meant to be. We'll just stop. And that was the concern that I raised. I said, I, I think that you're going to lose really good prospective adopters and you're, you're going to send out a new message that might then make you lose other adopters. From that, um, a couple of the heads of agency were talking to me and they said that a big problem that they have is the regulations that they have set around how they can, um, I can't think of the better word, but like advertise or discuss adoption with prospective adopters, promote a type of adoption. They've got regulations that either your doors are open to prospective adopters or they're closed, essentially. They, so I'm, I'm get, I've booked a follow-up meeting um, with a couple of the heads of agencies so as I can really delve into this a lot more and understand it. So I'll give you the, I'll give you the real, basic on this but I'll drum down into more details as soon as I have them but essentially if an agency was saying look you know not to two-year-olds we we are we are placing them quicker than quicker than we are getting those children coming into the system or service or whatever um but the older children children with disabilities children from ethnic minority backgrounds the siblings, these are the children that are waiting longer. Now, an agency is not allowed to say we are no longer accepting adopters for naught to two-year-olds, from what I can understand. So I hasten to add, I might be wrong with that. I'm waiting to find out for certain. But, yeah, essentially... They can't be specific. They can't say, well, actually, if you do want to adopt, you're going to have to look at adoption for these categories of children. And if that's not for you, then no, at the moment, our, our doors are closed. That, um, for me, felt really frustrating um, because I felt that a lot of agencies didn't need to shut their doors, but were being almost forced to shut their doors. So that's why I've booked the follow-up meeting so as I can fully understand the lay of the land. And then from my um, position, I can actually submit 
um, a paper and a, a request to have those regulations reconsidered to ensure that we aren't shutting the doors to the right people. So I've got some follow-up meetings on that to see if actually some change can be made. Whether it will or not, who knows? Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's operation at a much higher level, so there's going to be a lot of red tape and there's going to be a lot of hoops. But it feels really nice to be in a position where I feel like there's a chance I might be able to make a difference with that. So I'm quite excited to see what happens there, how that develops and, and what goes on with it. And I shall keep you apprised of what happens there. Um, so, so yeah, that's that was something that came out and, you know, it's going to be interesting. Then, um, throughout the conversation we were having, um, we were talking about matches that were being made um, and how these are working, what's going on with them. It was really exciting to hear that within our region, they've appointed someone to be a matching coordinator. I don't know if that's something that is mirrored across other regions, but it was a role that I was really excited to hear about. This person is in place. They are they are in place to oversee the entire regional agencies and ensure that matches are being made and being progressed and being supported. Um, she will now be attending um, the management meetings whereby profiles of children and profiles of adopters are being discussed. And she will be asking some questions about moving, moving matches forward. In addition to that, she's overseeing Linkmaker. At this stage, I raised a concern that I'd heard from adopters <clears throat> um, that using Linkmaker, you can submit a sort of a request for further information about particular children. Um, and I've heard it far too many times that adopters or prospective adopters are putting in um, a request for further information on particular children and sometimes not hearing anything back and sometimes taking weeks to hear back. And I expressed how frustrating that is for adopters and how difficult that is for people to have to sort of go through that because it puts you in a state of limbo. I said that this is a huge frustration for adopters and and it's just not working. I said, no, I, I feel actually that social workers should be held accountable for not responding to those inquiries. I said, because maybe there's a match that could have been made had someone have just come back to the inquiry. Um, what was really good was the um, the matching coordinator explained that they are in place um, and they are going to be doing that um, and what they're actually going to be doing is after five days of someone making an inquiry again this is just in this age uh, this region so it's not it's not across the board um, but 
after five days, I'm assuming that's five working days, but after five days of you making an inquiry about a particular child or children, if the social worker has not responded to you, that gets flagged up to the matching coordinator who will then contact the social worker directly and say, these people have made an inquiry and you haven't responded. You are now held accountable. What? Why haven't you gone back to them? If it comes back that that particular social worker is on annual leave, that's something that a doctor's wouldn't know because you don't get that message come up on LinkMaker. If that happens or something like that, the matching coordinator will then contact the adopters directly and say, you haven't heard back, this is why. So it's social workers are being held to account for their actions um, or in some cases their inaction, which I said was really exciting. And I think that that was something that I was hoping would would progress out and and go to other sort of regions as well because I know that that's a huge frustration for adopters so it was nice to hear that change is on its way um there's also going to be change with regards to or we're moving towards a conversation of change towards placements and how they're working um, and how assessments are being done as well. So there was a conversation around um, social workers and adopters and again this is coming back to these children that are waiting and all of these adopters that are waiting um, and around, well, why? Why is this the case? So I had a conversation with the head of that um, region and talked about how I felt that there were social workers out there who were very risk averse. They were happier to make placements where they were certain that nothing was going to go wrong. And whilst I genuinely understand that, and I genuinely think that's a really, really smart way of working, I also feel like it's missing a little bit of a trick. Um, and I talked about how I felt that social workers should challenge adopters and challenge their views, challenge their thinking, just to see, is there another way of looking at this? Um, now, as, as I've talked about before, there needs to be an opportunity for adopters to be able to say, actually, do you know what, this is not something that I can take on, that's not something I can do. That is absolutely fine. If you don't think that you can manage certain um, any aspect of of a child's needs, that is fine. Be honest about it, of course. But what I was saying was, I, I felt that social workers could challenge that, and they could discuss it and say, "Well, talk to me about it. What what are your concerns? Why have you got this concern? What is that born from?" and and just address that in a little bit more detail instead of just accepting that as you know 
okay, you can't take on a child with this. Fine, okay, let's move on. What I was saying was there's a particular social worker that I've worked with. She's absolutely fantastic. And she has got a passion for placing the harder to place children. She believes that that is the duty and responsibility of social workers, particularly within the world of adoption, to focus on these harder children to place and work on those. Her view, and, and it, it marries up with my own, is that the naught to two-year-olds who don't have um, additional needs, or by that I mean naught to two-year-olds without disabilities, of course they have additional needs, um, naught to two-year-olds who don't have disabilities are are going to be placed. There are always going to be adopters that that is their criteria and that is absolutely fine. We still need those adopters. They are still really essential. But she said, you know, these are the children that are going to be placed. They are the easiest to place. They're, we're always going to have adopters looking for them. The other children, not so much. So what she does is when she's assessing um, households, what she will do is she opens the conversation up at the higher end of things. So she starts the conversation with, so when you adopt the children, and she uses that language, and she says, so taking on siblings, and she allows people to say, oh, actually, no, we're, we're not thinking of siblings. Okay, not a problem. Is there a reason why not? Just so as I can get to know you better. Just so as I can understand your needs better. Okay, fine. Okay, so if you're not looking at siblings, then the older child that you're going to be taking on, the school-aged child that you're taking on. And again, she starts, she said in her assessments now, obviously she does it a lot better than what I've just done that. But she starts at the higher end of the scale, the harder end of the scale, and works her way backwards. Um, and she says that by doing that, she's challenging that view, challenging that thought process, and she's encouraging a different approach. She's encouraging a different thought process. The other side of that um, and the conversation that was had was she she then sort of, and, and I was talking to the head of this agency and we're, we're talking about setting up a training for social workers so as they can start to change their thinking, challenge thinking, change their approach and become a little bit more comfortable with some risk and ask certain questions and then move in on that and say, okay, you know, have you considered transracial adoption? Oh, no, I've got some concerns. Okay, what would be your concerns? I'm concerned that there might be some issues with their identity. We are two white British um people and we aren't sure that their identity could take that knock do you know what that is a valid valid concern however i've got adopters a over here who actually did that and they did it a year ago and they had their little one place with them and they had the exact same concerns what i'm going to do is i'm going to get you to meet up with them and I'm going to get them to tell you their story. And I'm going to tell, get them to tell you how it all went for them. 
by doing that, we might be able to change the narrative. We might be able to encourage change. We might be able to help even one extra placement happen. That's what the hope is. That is what the aim is, is that we can just change some thinking. So that's in the wings. And that's a training that um, the head of this agency has asked me if I can put together. Um, and I will be supporting. So I'm really, really excited about what will happen with that. And I'll keep you updated on that as well. Um, built into that, um, there's the discussion around a buddy system being launched um, and how they're going to launch it or they're working on a buddy system for prospective adopters and adopters that have just had children placed as well. So I think, again, the, the adoption community has always been so supportive and so fantastic. So I think that that's going to be something that will get off the ground really quickly um, and going to be really exciting. So, so yeah, lots of changes. Um, something that I did hear that was absolutely incredible. Um, since November, there has been five profiling events um, for hardest place children. And from that, there has been 11 matches made um, in our um, sort of region. And I think that's fantastic. I think that is absolutely incredible. Uh, I think throughout the pandemic, a number of different changes had to be made and some people had to work in different ways, but they are still making really great placements. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, and then as well, what was really cool is um, it's coming up to the annual um, conference um, for our region. The topic is going to be a lot around contact, how people feel about it um, and how that conversation is changing. Um, and for those of you that are within my network, you would have had an email already um, asking for your views and opinion on contact um, because that's the latest topic from our um, board meeting. Those of you that are on my um, sort of follow us on our social media, certainly through our Instagram, there is going to be a poll and a request for information and your views on contact. So if you don't follow us on Instagram and you would like to have your voice heard, please head over to Instagram, follow us um, adoption.adventures um, because I'm going to be sort of reaching out and, and getting views. Um, and it's really important to get your voice heard. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing already that our voices are being heard and things are changing. So it's really exciting, but it's, it's crucial that you get involved. So please do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the update for, for now. Um, I think I covered everything that I covered in yesterday's talk. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot happening and a lot of conversations happening, but a lot more that I can feed back on. So I will be feeding back um, and letting you know what's going on. But until then, as always, thank you so much for listening. Um, do genuinely do get in touch with me if you want your story heard, if you have questions, if you have concerns. You might not be in my region, but that doesn't matter. I can still either point you to the right um, adopter voice or get your voice heard through my reports. So please get involved and share your views. Um, and until next week, oh, <laughs> that was the other thing that I uh, did in uh, the episode. I apologised. 
I apologise for the um, the way that the episodes were coming out on different days. That's only been amplified by this <laughs> coming out and even another day later. Um, there's just a, a whole host of things going on in uh, in our world at the moment. Um, and it's just throwing my my diary off balance. So whilst I always try to, I always wanted to make it on a Monday, it then moved over to be a Tuesday and then things happen. So it will come out, there will always be an episode week, but it's what day. Hopefully I'll be able to get back into the world of consistency um, pretty soon. Um, but thank you for bearing with me. Um, and until next week, when hopefully technology does not let me down, um, I'm keeping a keen eye on my recorder button, making sure that this is working. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed we're all good. And I shall share an update next week. Thanks, mate.